Hi and welcome to the Expansive Podcast. My name is Eric. I am one half of the Expansive Podcast. I'm a speaker and author. And as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. John Sane, also a keynote speaker and a future strategist. John, how are you doing, brother? Did you forget author? I'm well, man. I'm well. How's it going? What's happening? It's Friday. <laughs> We're recording. There. <laughs> no, pretend like it never happened. Pretend I've only written four books, but that means nothing. It means nothing. Um, does it make you? Yeah, all good. Just make you like someone who writes. Like what is the? Yeah, somebody who who uh, journals and then puts that journal, sends emails the journal to a publisher and says, "Just publish this thing." So uh, yes, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to Egypt next week. So there's been a lot of planning for that and uh, quite excited putting a brand new talk together. And uh, yeah, just excited. Overall, it's been a tough week. It's been a tough week emotionally. Mm. I'm glad it's over. Um, but yeah, I'm very good. How are you, Eric? I see you've been busy uh, on Instagram. You're doing multiple talks. Uh, looks fantastic. Uh, how's it going? Yeah, yeah, it's been a good week. Um... Actually, Jan in general has been good. Like we're just moving into Feb now, so there's been quite a bit of momentum. Uh, lots of uh, talks around the leadership manual, uh, promotion around it. I'm on SABC Live tomorrow morning as well. Speaking wow! About the, the, wow! Uh, speaking about the manual. Yeah. So yeah, that's been really cool. Um, and then yeah, just trying to also wrap up the book. Um, as, what book? Uh, anyone who's Sorry, a long-time listener what? of the podcast yeah, well, would know. It's do you write books? Tell me about it. Tell me about uh, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm busy with my second book now. It's called Dangerous. It's been short. Oh, I remember. Powerful, I remember. This is. You remember that yes, book? it's a vintage. It's a yes. vintage model. Yes. Now I've been it's hearing vintage. about this for years. It's vintage. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, uh, we we coinciding, giving birth at the same time. It seems. Well, you know, I think. I mean, we haven't even spoken about this off air, but I think we should do a national launch together. My book's only coming out in May. I don't know when's yours coming out. March, you said. Uh, April supposed to be mid-April, but let's let's wait until like Mayish and then let's do the launch together and then uh, we can start. We'll do a launch. Maybe even if you want to come to Dubai, we can do a launch in Dubai. But uh, definitely mm. Joburg, uh, Cape Town, Durban. Let's combine forces. Do an expansive multi-author book launch in winter here in Joburg. I mean in, in yeah. South Africa. I think it'll yeah, be great. I like it. I like okay. It. Who do we become? We become dangerous. Who, we become so? dangerous. Yes. Who do we become? We become dangerous. That's it. I love it. I love it. That's going to be great. That's, uh, to be honest, we haven't even spoken about this off air. We just kind of had mm. one WhatsApp about it, but that's going to be great. But today's topic is really what's interesting me, and I think we need to get straight into it. Um, it's all about your leadership manual. Um, you always are popping out these sort of manuals and uh, sort of mini books, uh, really at quite a pace. You know, you've done quite a few of them. And now you've brought out the leadership manual in conjunction with Sassfin. And Sassfin has helped you launch it and PR it and well done on that partnership. And Yeshiva, uh, Eleshiva, uh, sending you lots of kisses and hugs, uh, one of our listeners and uh, friends. Um, so we are really going to unpack this leadership manual today. And I'm really looking forward to upgrading my brain and my skill sets around leadership with this with you, Eric. So over to you, brother. Go for it. Yeah, thank you, dude. So uh, the manual is called The Arts of Recalibration. And I think, you know, we've seen over the past few months how important it is for us to continuously recalibrate how we think and how we do things. So, I mean, I think that's like self-explanatory enough, but I do want to like just set a bit of context around why I think recalibration is so important. So have you heard of the one degree principle in aviation? 
I have not, but before you tell me, there was the, re, the great resignation and then there was the great reignition. And now you're talking about the great recalibration. So I love these re's and I think that's a really great theme to be going. And I love the fact that you chose recalibration. I use that term quite a lot in my talk. So it's absolutely the key about continuously recalibrating. But yes, please tell me about the one degree. Mm. So the one degree principle is this thing in aviation that says that if a plane veers one degree off its intended target, like it's in its destination, as soon as it veers one degree off, by the time it's traveled 60 miles, it's actually an entire mile off its destination. And so by the time it's done 600 miles, it's 10 miles off of where it needed to go. And so what often happens is that we have an idea of where we want to go and we start just slightly veering off it. And initially that veering off is completely imperceptible. You don't even notice it. But the problem is if you don't recorrect and if you don't recalibrate, then along the lines, like at some point you realize that, oh, like I'm not even close to where I wanted to be. And the reason why that happened to you is because you didn't take the time to stop and just think, is where I'm heading making sense? But the tricky thing for us isn't actually that we, that, like, that we veer off, of course. What happens is that we are perfectly on target, things are going well, and the environment does this. It moves, it shifts. And so that creates what will ultimately become you being off target, is the environment shifting. And so we have to really cultivate a lot of situational awareness so that when the environment shifts, that we recorrect and recalibrate as quickly as possible to make sure that we're still heading in the direction that we want to go. And I think ah. we've seen this over and over and over. Okay, so <coughs> the one degree might not even be us. It might actually just be environment and we're not actually keeping up to yeah. that. Oh, wow. That's, that's, that's a mm. very interesting. So you have to keep recalibrating to the environment away from what you were, who you were, your identity, onto where you need to be, who you need to be, and where you're going. Look, um, I love it that you use 60 miles. I would rather use 100 kilometers. I know you obviously read that in an American book somewhere. So 100 kilometers, 100, 1,000 kilometers. So you, okay, I get, I get that. So mm. great, I like that, all right? So the, the trick for us then is that as we operate in this world, as we move through a very complex world, that things are no longer, so that's one piece of the puzzle. The second piece is that things are no longer black and white. Like we know this by now that, that there are certain times when you need to change and there are certain times when you actually don't need to change. So like when the pandemic hit, we were all incentivized to start working from home as quickly as possible. Like there was a change and like you needed to make that change as quickly as possible. Then uh, if you look at the Bitcoin market at the moment, all the Bitcoiners are the ones that are like uh, holding their, their heads in their hands um, because of the carnage in the market at the moment when you look at the bitcoin it's like we have this saying hodl right which means hold which means for don't for do dear anything, life don't react to the change yes. yes yes and so we look at this and like we you know the the choice there seems quite obvious like yes you need to change or no you shouldn't change but increasingly what we're going to see is that what you need to do in the moment is going to be murky like you're not going to be sure what you need to do like the decisions aren't going to be black and white it's not going to be clear cut and so what then ends up happening is that we have to operate in the space between black and white and when we think of that space between black and white we think it's this gray zone that we need to operate in but in reality the space between black and white is the most beautiful most colorful spectrum that you've ever seen 
And that is because we have more opportunities, more options and more choices than ever before. And because of those options, opportunities and choices, we get to create the future that we want. We get to create the way we work together. We get to unleash our imagination in the most creative ways. Uh, we get to sell old things, but in new ways, like for example, selling shoes, but now in the metaverse, right? So like we have to become very good at then taking advantage of all of these options and all of these opportunities available to us. And the only way you get to do that is that you recalibrate how you think and how you do things so you can take advantage. So you have to shift your perspective. You have to learn new things. And as you do that, you then become aligned to taking advantage of that beautiful, colorful spectrum of opportunities. Yeah, really great. Um, like all of that, uh, this is the sort of the context before you start getting into the, I think it's the five points you have, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, but before you do, um, you know, this one degree, it seems like the world has moved 35 degrees. For sure. And, you know, and so the recalibration is massive. This, this sort of gap uh, between black and white is never been bigger. So this leap that we have to make to the other side is almost like, oh, it's so I love, yeah, really, you've got my head thinking about the world shifting and not us shifting. And then for us to be carrying on being in line with the world. So very good. Mm. Lots of color in the middle, lots of opportunity in the middle. Also very well described. I like the imagination idea around me thinking about it in a colorful way rather than a gray way, which then again expresses my idea of more opportunities. And this leap right now is 35 degrees, not one degree. So good. Okay. Encapsulated. Got it. Thank you. I love it. Let's go. <clears throat> cool. So in the, in the manual, so obviously what that means is that if you are recalibrating, you need two types of awareness. You need situational awareness and self-awareness. Situational awareness tells you what's happening around you. Self-awareness tells you how am I responding to that change. Now, there are many different areas in your life and in your business that needs recalibration. In the manual, I just outlined five, five things that I think are important for us to reconsider how we are showing up. So I'm gonna quickly run through each of those um, and then I'll, I'll pause between each of them, um, but I'm not gonna go into like a, a ton of detail, otherwise it's gonna take a very long time. So the very first one is that I speak about the trade-off between extract and explore. So we are always engaging in these two strategies. On the one hand, we are trying to extract maximum value from what is working. And on the other hand, we are trying to explore new things. So like when Danica and I go to a restaurant, you know, she's always gonna order a new dish. She's always exploring new dishes. And what that means is that there's a trade-off. The trade-off is that she doesn't get to enjoy her favorite dish, right? Me, on the other hand, my strategy when I go to a restaurant is to extract. I, I order the cheeseburger because I know that that's most likely gonna be something I'll enjoy. But of course, there's a con there as well. I don't explore new dishes. I don't find something that I might like even more. And so we're always engaged in these trade-offs. Do you go out tonight and meet new people or do you stay at home and watch Netflix? Um, if you decide to watch Netflix, do you watch new movies or do you watch a movie that you've watched a thousand times before because you know you're gonna enjoy it? Do we launch a new product or a new service or do we focus on what is currently working? And of course, what becomes very clear is that this isn't a either or, it is both. And so the challenge here is how do you recalibrate so that you are in the sweet spot between extract and explore? Because extraction means that we are doubling down on what is working. It helps us to build a solid foundation for tomorrow. But obviously we know, by the way, interesting stat is that um, Hollywood is great at extracting value from it. Totally, totally. Um, she said same shit over and over and over. 
reboots, remakes, and sequels. That's what they do. So out of the 50 movies that have grossed the highest, 41 of them were reboots, remakes, or sequels. Yeah, that makes sense. 29 29 movies that grossed more than a billion dollars, 21 of them, 23 of them were reboots, remakes, and sequels. So they are great at extracting value from works, and it's a really important thing to do. Like that's not something to keep in mind, that you need to be able to extract. And very often we get caught up in the search trap where we are like always looking for the shiny object, the next thing that's going to happen, the, um, like the, the new thing on the block. And that distraction then prevents us from extracting in the moment. So what I'm just trying to land here is that extraction is really important, but only when it's balanced out with exploration. And exploration is obviously all about finding the new, new technologies, new ideas. Microsoft didn't just stick to an operating system. They went into tech in every single way, AI, gaming, cloud, and now the metaverse. Same thing for Amazon. We know that many artists have made a killing uh, using NFTs recently to promote their music or their art. And so the very first calibration then is just saying, are you oscillating between these two modes often enough? Because it's very possible that you get stuck in one and where you will most likely get stuck is in extraction mode because extraction is performance, performance will be get paid for. So are you moving freely and effortlessly enough between extraction and then moving into exploration to find new things and new, um, new opportunities? What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, very good. I think it's a personality driver. I think some people are just more comfortable in extraction and some people are just more comfortable in that. And this is where I kind of think that people should be doing, should be, should be leaning towards one or the other based on personality traits. I'm a very good explorer. <clears throat> I'm a terrible extractor because I get bored. So for me, my personality is continuously out there, which is a problem because nobody's closing the circle behind me because I'm not. So um, yeah. I, I think it's very personality driven. I think it's also the individual that needs to choose where they're most comfortable and then build the teams around that. So yeah, I like it. I think it's great. I think it's nice to be aware of it and nice to have language to it. So thank you for that. Mm. Let's go. Number two. So number two is transformational and transactional leadership. And I won't say much about this apart from the fact that transformational leadership is this idea that like, or let me backtrack a little bit. Um, over the years, there's been many different leadership methodologies and ideas that have emerged. One of the most popular ones has been the idea of transformational leadership. So transformational leadership is all about selling the vision, about inspiring people to change. There are four eyes to, to transformational leadership. It's idealized influence, inspirational motivation, intellectual stimulation and individual consideration. So it means that I inspire you to follow me, that I um, invite you into the conversation. It's not just me trying to be smart and that I really care about the people in my team. I really pay attention to the individuals. So transformational leadership has been held up as this like standard of leadership that you should aspire to. And although it's important, it might not be the perfect leadership style for every situation. And so what we have that stands in opposition in a way then to transformational leadership is transactional leadership. Transactional leadership is more about telling people what to do. It's saying that, you know, um, especially when it's like, when it's chaotic, people want to know, well, this is the way forward. This is the way we're going to be doing it. 
And so transactional leadership is, is really good in times of chaos, like a pandemic, for example. But we kind of, uh, like, trans transactional leadership becomes a villain, and it's not. It's just a tool to be used in the right context. And so the recalibration here is to understand that sometimes you need to be more transformational in nature, and sometimes you need to be more transactional in nature. So there's this saying that says, sell in the morning and tell in the afternoon. So sell the vision in the morning, be the transformational leader in the morning, and then tell people what to do in the afternoon. Just to say, be aware of the situation and what is needed in the moment. Yeah, I think it's great, again, giving it language and also for us to oscillate between the two within ourselves so we don't get caught up in continuously being too philosophical or too operational. So I like that. Mornings are when you want to be philosophical and broad and, and sort of strategic and in the afternoon it's about, you know, pedal to the metal, uh, hitting the tar, running and uh, very action orientated. So yes, very good, mm. nice, again, language that gives me the, the sort of the, the clarity of where I want to be tapping into which leadership style. So very good. Thank you, Eric. Number three. Number three is anti-fragile. And so like, unlike the other two calibrations where you want a bit of both, with anti-fragility, it's really about um, trying to veer as much towards anti-fragility as possible. So you have fragile and anti-fragile. And a very quick explanation of that is that um, anti-fragile is... So Nassim Taleb said that, you know, when you look at fragility, um, the opposite of fragility isn't robustness or resilience. It is anti-fragility because anti-fragility means that something gains or becomes better or stronger from chaos. Because of order. Yeah. So whatever happens, um, if, there's, if there's chaos, the anti-fragile actually seeks it out. They actually need it. Like that's what helps you to grow. Um, resilience just like if, you, if, if a thing is resilient it just stays the same it just absorbs the shock it doesn't benefit from it so we've spoken about anti-fragility on the podcast before um, and I think it's a really important topic that people need to be recalibrating to all the time is to really ask yourself where am I being fragile and I actually think you know fragility in a way um, it has its benefits like when we can become more aware of our fragility um, it's through those fragilities that we become more anti-fragile. It's through those fragilities that we grow. But very often, we don't like to look at where we are fragile and vulnerable. We're just trying to focus on where we are strong. And then that becomes your biggest weakness, right? So we actually have to do a fragility assessment and ask ourselves, well, where exactly am I fragile? Where, like, if something goes wrong here, will I be undone? And then the more we can do that, the more we can build out the systems and the processes that will help us to become more anti-fragile. But again, this really requires a high level of self-awareness and a willingness to look at the things that you might not want to look at because no one likes to know that they're fragile. Yeah, very good. Again, I mean, I, it reminds me of the talk I did uh, a while back and you were actually in the audience, um, the tyranny of comfort. And um, actually the end result of that talk was seek discomfort. And, it's, and the more discomfort you can seek, the more you can celebrate it, the more you can rewire your brain to actually enjoy discomfort and this is what the navy seals and all these other people do which makes them incredibly powerful so yeah seek discomfort or anti-fragility is a wonderful number three i like it and listen i've applied this to myself in the cold water uh, swimming the the crypto studying all of these things were incredibly tough starting out and uh, eventually you start to enjoy them 
And that's the mm. thing is that you break through that barrier of uncertainty, of wilderness, of chaos and murkiness, and then eventually you break through. But you have to be seeking anti-fragility. And so, yes, great point and really important at this time in our lives for all of us, you know, to be recalibrating towards what's coming. So very good. Thank you. Number four. Uh, like a, a great yeah. example before I get to number four that I like is that um, Netflix has what they call a chaos monkey. And so what the chaos monkey does is like it's a piece of script that goes and knocks out service, like just randomly. So to create chaos and then through this process, they then start to learn, okay, well, if this happens, this is how we need to quickly reconfigure things so we can keep working. Oh, wow. And so, wow. Yeah, so the chaos monkey is like exposing those vulnerabilities. And then because of that, they get to fix them. And then they also have a chaos gorilla that just like knocks out like rows and rows of servers at the same time. Uh, and the same thing. So like they kind of engineering chaos into their architecture so they can respond to it so they can sure. grow from it. Sure. Right, eh? Engineering yeah. chaos. Mm. You know, the, the universe is made up of chaos. Everything around us is chaotic. That's the way the universe was formed. And so it's within this chaos that we need to, the color, you know, like you explained it, the color between extraction and uh, exploration. Again, it's this chaos, right? It's, it's finding mm. comfort in the chaos. Oh, that's such a hard thing. But yes, yeah, so necessary. Thank you for that. Again, I love mm. that you add language to certain ideas and that language anchors those ideas into our heads. So very good. You should write a book, Eric. I think um, you got what it takes, Eric. I think you should, go, you should become a speaker. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Thank okay. You. Number four. <laughs> so number four is also something we spoke about in the podcast. In fact, I think we've, we've covered many of these topics on the podcast um, is being able to oscillate between the learning zone and the performance zone. And I think this is just another way of saying extract and explore, but it's a useful way of thinking about it because the performance zone is what we tend to do every single day. So like performance zone really brings it down for me or this, this um, trade-off or calibration brings it down to sort of a day-to-day -day level for me where performance is about the work that I do every day, the work that I get rewarded for, the work that typically pays my salary. And so we get stuck in performance zone all the time, right? Like we wake up in the morning, we get busy and we just get home at night and we get into bed and we're done for the day. And what happens is that we intersperse learning into the performance zone. And that's why it never takes because performance is prioritized and not learning. So what happens is we go through our day and we are like podcast at 2x speed, Instagram article here, Twitter, like thingy over there. Like we consume a lot of content, but it's only secondary to performance it's only as a filler to performance we don't give it its own container and i think that's something that you've been especially good at lately is that you've created a container for your learning and that is that becomes so much more effective so what is really important is that we not only think about like from a, a strategically like from a time point of view how are we spending our time extracting versus exploring but also how much time are you spending in the performance zone versus in the learning zone Mm. And the learning zone is a tough place to be, man, because you have to let go of your confidence, your competence, uh, of your comfort level, <laughs> and you have to be okay to be useless that, again. Yeah, that yeah, the doffest, nice the doffest on the Zoom. I always <laughs> laugh because when I'm in the Zooms learning crypto, I'm like, these people don't know me. They're not, I'm actually pretty clever in other places. Here, I am asking the most ridiculously <laughs> low-class questions. Okay, again, again, very good. And again, I want to just relate it back to um, uh, Rudolf Steiner, the guy who started Mo Waldorf Education. 
And he talks about this idea that subjects need to be back to back. They need to be breathing in subjects and breathing out subjects. And breathing in is studying, breathing out is performing. Breathing in is studying, breathing out is mm. dancing. Breathing in is this mm. and then breathe. So that your day is broken up into evolving and acting, not just acting. Mm. And I think our society has given so much credit to performance and harvesting that anything that isn't giving us constant performance and harvesting is seen as a waste of time. So actually to take, for me, is like, and I think you and I are pretty good at this because our jobs depend on what we study and what we expose ourselves to. But I think what COVID has done for me, it's like really demarcated time, money, effort, and energy. And in fact, my whole January and December was spent studying. I've just been, last night was the first lecture I've missed for the last eight weeks because I was just done. I couldn't even think about thinking of another DAO or another decentralized, I just, my brain's just fried because of it, you know? But the truth is, is yes, the container created for studying is part and parcel of you evolving into this new world and if you continue just harvesting just um extracting you're stuck man you're stuck and and that's the old way of doing things because the old world benefited you and celebrated you for being like that this new world doesn't it requires you to be stepping out of that so very good again so mm. you called it um learning zone and, and performance zone, zone. very yeah. good okay very good performance mm. and and one thing to remember as well is that um, when you're in the learning zone or when you explore, exploring, it's an act, you know, like people need to go and, and find things to do, not just mm. read about it. Like mm. you need to go and, and do something like be part of a community, be part of a course where like you mm. push a little bit, like go buy an NFT, go buy some crypto, learn a new programming language, like explore no code and low code tools, like go do something because exploration is an act. There's this great quote from Rudyard Kipling, that poet. Like he's, I don't know if you've seen some of his stuff, but he has like the most no. beautiful writing. Okay. And he says, um, to, if you want to understand a foreign country, you have to smell it. And like, I love that. It's like, it's so beautifully said, like you have to go there. And it's the same thing with like the, this, these things about the futures. Like you have to go there. You can't just read about it. Like you need to be in it. I, I, I talk about um, uh, acting and experimenting. Once you've learned something, you know, uh, you know, go and buy, go and try, go and open, go mm. and, and fail, you know, open and try and okay, sure, that didn't work. Okay, I need to learn more, mm. need, you know, so that, that experimentation is almost closing the loop of the theory. You don't want to get stuck too mm. much in theory. Yeah, very good. Okay, last one, number five. And then the absolute last one is, of course, what my book is about, dangerous and harmless. And this is a, uh, an idea that has now obviously been with me for quite a bit of time. And I feel like it just remains relevant and it'll be relevant for many, many years to come. And the idea is that we, we exist in a world where there are many threats. And it sounds like a pessimistic thing to say, but it's just reality that there's this one quote that says, everything you love is being threatened. Like your potential is being threatened. Your success is being threatened. If you are in a relationship, there are going to be certain threats to that relationship. And you can either choose to turn a blind eye toward, or you can pay attention to these threats. And in some cases, the way that you respond to these threats will be inadequate and you will be harmless. Like you will be the victim of that threat. And if you're harmless and insufficient, then you can't do anything about it. Like that's just, you, you don't have the skill, you don't have the will, you don't have the power to do anything about it. So like, what is there to you in that case? But the opposite and the um, 
The call to action is that you also can be dangerous. And if you're dangerous, it means that you become a threat to the threat, a danger to the danger. And it's all about the hero's journey for me when it comes to this. Like this is actually like it's like the core idea is that whenever we look at like any movie or any hero's journey that you've ever like um, enjoyed or loved, you always see there's an arc to how the hero progresses through the world. It always starts with them in the ordinary world, like the world that they know, love, where they're comfortable, where there's nothing special about them. But eventually, there's a call to action that says you have to go and do something. You have to go and you know slay the dragon, to Mordor, or like yeah. slay the dragon, whatever it may be. So they they leave the comfort of the world they know and they step into the unknown. And everything then builds up to this point where they're going to face the villain, the monster, the threat, the danger. And sometimes they might even come into contact with the villain, the threat, the monster, the danger, and they lose. And they lose because they don't have what it takes. So they go back and they reconfigure. They recalibrate. They need to uncover a belief about themselves. They need to go and learn a new skill. They need to be better, faster, stronger. And they go through that process. And then eventually, because of that, when they encounter the villain, the monster, the threat, the danger again, they get to be a threat to the threat and a danger to the danger. And because of that, they get to save the village. They get to rescue the love of their life. They get to find the treasure. And so I think it's one of the most powerful call to actions that I could give anyone is to like identify your threats and be a threat to that threat. You know, I, I really believe that goal setting is actually broken. That when you look at most goal setting frameworks, like let's take the SMART framework, for example, it says your goal needs to be specific, measurable, achievable, um, realistic, and timely, time bound. What all of these frameworks assume is that the line between where you are and your goal is an uninterrupted line. Like there's no, nothing is going to happen in between you and you reaching your goal. I think if you want to have a really powerful and more comprehensive framework, you would add resistance and threats into that goal setting framework. Like the SMART, the T should actually stand for threats because now you become more aware of what might get in the way of me achieving the things that I want to achieve? What is the threat that might prevent me from getting there? And once you know what that is, situational and self-awareness, once you know what that is, you can do something about it. And that's really what I want, not only from the manual, but also from the book, what I want people to do is like, go and do something about it. Like identify those threats and go and do something about it. Um, I want to share one more thing with you quickly because I think you'll like it. Did I tell you about standing in your danger? Have I told you about no. that? No, you haven't? No. So... I spoke to a guy who referred me to a book called Old Dangerous Woman. And in the book, they said that danger, um, the etymology of danger, is to protect. Like if you trace it all the way back, it meant to protect. So I went to look it up and I couldn't find that specific etymology. But what they say in the book is that people used to say, you stand in my danger. And I've, like, I've fallen in love with the idea. And what actually crystallized for me is when I was walking with Axel and Jaeger in the park one day, because I realized that if there was a threat that uh, we came across in the park, then their ability to be a threat to the threat, to be dangerous in that moment, protects me. So I stand in their ability to be dangerous. And then vice versa as well, that if I see a threat and I'm a threat to that threat, then they stand in my danger. They stand in my ability to protect them. Wow. Isn't that like beautiful? That's beautiful. That's yeah. beautiful. Well done. I, the way I like to think about it is, is being dangerous is being sure-footed and, and with your front foot ready to go, you know? Nothing scares you. Like, just go. 
And you know, you'll figure mm. it out. Just go, just move, mm. just be courageous. Uh, and also I think an important thing is what can you control and what can't you control? Like if you can control something, act on it. If you can't control something, don't stress about it. And I think what happens, mm. I was speaking to my trainer now and she was saying when she's on a connecting flight, she's continuously stressing in case she doesn't get there in time to the connecting flight. I said, but that's such a ridiculously waste of time because you can't control that. What, are you going to make the plane go faster? <laughs> you can't do that. So we were talking because my, my, my passport only arrives on Monday at the airport when I fly to Egypt. And this is like the second time this wow. is happening or the third time. <laughs> and, and she says, weren't you stressed about it? And I was like, no, I didn't, I, there was nothing I could do about it. So if I, if I don't get it, I, 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 my hands are tied. But you know, it always mm. works out. So I think also being dangerous where you can be and releasing yeah. where you can't be. And it's not about being harmless there. It's about being wise about things you can change or not change. And I think in this world, there's many things we can't change and there's many things we can change. And really to focus on the things that we can change. And so that ability to focus, the, the engine to our consciousness is a really powerful thing that we can manage and take responsibility for. So the leadership mm -hmm. manual, where can people get it, uh, Eric? Sounds fascinating. So ericcrew.com forward slash 2022. Um, it's a free download that's available there. And yeah, thank you for giving me the space to share a bit about uh, what is in the manual and um, yeah, all the, all the ideas that sort of have come together to form the manual. Yeah, well done. I know how much effort you put into it, how much you work you've done in it, and for it to be sort of PR'd around South Africa and to give you a great platform to talk about it. I think it's really hard work and well done on, on, on achieving it. And uh, I look forward to reading it myself. Uh, I have it already on my phone. I've downloaded it. Um, look, next week, we are going to be recording from the land of the pharaohs. So, yeah, uh, yeah so uh, we also might, might yes. have a new conversational guest with us. Uh, who we're bringing in to talk about optimism inside organizations. We're just making sure that we get our times right with uh, his times. And uh, hopefully next week we'll be recording that. But if not, I'll be recording from Egypt. Cape Town will be Eric's uh, location. And we look forward to seeing you then. And Eric, well done again on your leadership manual, The Art of Recalibration. Ciao, guys. So thank you very much for joining us the podcast. Um, and you'll know by now that if you've been listening for a little bit, we're trying to get to 200 reviews this year and um, they've been streaming in. Thank you so much. Uh, Cameron Fenter sent us one. It said, I think the magic of this podcast is in the fact that after listening to an episode, I feel expansive. You guys have through your passion and excellence managed to take the word expansive and translate it into a feeling, which is a great review. Thank you very much for that. Uh, if you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to the podcast. You can find it on any platform where you find your, your podcast usually. Um, we look forward to sharing this journey with you. And until next time, goodbye.